You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. For Green Biz Radio, I'm Matthew Wieland. In December 2007, world leaders gathered on the Indonesian island of Bali to try and work out a global course of action to address the climate crisis after the Kyoto Protocol expires in 2012. During the Bali summit, the United States government took a substantial amount of heat for its failure to join with the rest of the world on climate action. Representatives from European governments threatened to boycott President Bush's proposed climate talks this year. Al Gore said the U.S. has been the major roadblock to any progress on the issue. And leaders from developing nations said that if it won't lead, the U.S. should at least get out of the way and stop hindering progress. Just prior to the summit, the University of Colorado's School of Public Affairs launched the Presidential Climate Action Project. The initiative was chaired by former U.S. Senator Gary Hart and Ray Anderson, the founder of Interface. The group released a plan designed to get the next president of the U.S. to take serious action against climate change in his or her first 100 days in office. I spoke with Ray Anderson, long a leader in the corporate sustainability movement, about the project, and I first asked him if the political situation in the U.S. is so hopeless that people are willing to throw their hands in the air and wait until the White House changes hands a year from now. I don't think it's so much uh, that things are just terrible in Washington. I do believe, though, that, uh, that the next president of the United States, whoever that is, really does need to hit the ground running on this, this subject. It seems to me that the Bush administration has sort of painted itself into a corner where it's very difficult for them to to move without losing a lot of face. So we need a fresh start. And the next president, Republican, Democrat, Independent, makes no difference, really does need to to get on the case here. And what we've done through the Presidential Climate Action Project is create a 100-day action plan that the president can take uh, in reasonable confidence and has been well-researched that, that there's a legal basis for the president to do uh, what needs to be done, and with a little bit of vetting, should be able to, to move right out on the subject. And heaven knows, uh, the United States needs to be part of the needs to be part of the solution instead of continuing to be a major part of the problem. And and I want to ask you about the project itself. Uh, I looked at, at the report, and it's incredibly thorough. I mean, it's almost 200 pages, and it covers almost every aspect of the American economy and environmental issues. Um, so will you just give us a thumbnail sketch of what the project is proposing? A key one is, uh, is to establish a, a cap and auction system. That is, to auction off the limits, a cap and trade system and to auction off the, the limitations and, and to, uh, to create a, a market-driven mechanism to put a price on carbon, to begin to internalize that externality and, and create a, a real price for carbon. And then it's very important that the revenues generated from the auction be channeled to support the changes that have to be made to replace the obsolescent industries. Another one is... Um, is basically ending the federal subsidies on the fossil fuel and nuclear energy industries and redirecting those subsidies to uh, the new technologies. Um, we clearly want to reduce oil consumption as quickly as, as we can to, to stop financing terrorism with oil revenues. 
and we want and we want the federal government itself to commit to being becoming a carbon neutral enterprise and it's it certainly can do that in its buildings because the the codification through the u.s green building council already exists and the uh, the american institute for architects have have weighed in on the subject too to set their goals for buildings so there's lots happening in the building area that can be pressed still further um you know that the title of this whole effort here is called uh, Security, Opportunity, and Stewardship, sort of an SOS. And we, uh, we, we, we toyed a good bit with the, the final S there, whether it should be stewardship or sustainability or sacred trust. And we ended up with stewardship. So security, opportunity, and stewardship are the battle cry now for this new revolution. And, one and of you know, I, I really believe that it will will create jobs in in great abundance that do not exist today, as industry goes through this transformation to the cleaner, greener technologies and products. You hear about that a lot lately. Is this talk of the green collar job world that there are going to be all kinds of new jobs uh, developed as we move to a, a post carbon economy? And along those lines, one of the um, one of the um, one of the proposals in in the project is a uh, billion dollars in funding for golden carrot innovations. What exactly does that mean? Well, the golden carrot, uh, holding out the the reward opportunity for the really significant breakthroughs. Uh, well, you've got something like that already working uh, with Detroit, haven't you? With the with the uh, I forget what it's called, but the, to get the uh, automobile mileage to a, to a whole other level. The support that that's coming for hydrogen now is in the right direction. And hydrogen, of course. Is, 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 an, is an important fuel in the future because it burns without creating uh, the carbon dioxide. And it also powers the uh, fuel cell, which produces no emissions at all except water. So have you had any uh, any briefings with candidates? I was going to ask how they've responded. I personally have not, but I do know that, uh, that various members of the advisory board have their uh, entree into the various campaigns, and those have been utilized. To what extent, I really do not know. I do know that every campaign has been notified, though, of the existence of this, and has been told that we're you know, ready and, and willing to, to wait in. Mm-hmm. And it seems like every campaign is addressing climate change, at least to some extent, that it's on the radar. It's just a matter of talking about these specific goals. I, I think almost every candidate has acknowledged the problem. And uh, and acknowledge and, and and propose some some semblance of a of a solution to the problem. We've not seen anybody come out with anything nearly as as comprehensive as the PCAP. Mm-hmm. And it actually seems like you're combining all of the different proposals I've seen out there that look at energy efficiency, at green job creation, at fuel economy, uh, one that's been... If we left anything out, it was uh, it's by accident because we've, been, we've done our very best to be as thorough as we can. So some of your rep- proposals in the Climate Action Project uh, include reducing U.S. greenhouse gas emissions by 90% by 2050, by raising 
car and truck fuel economy to 50 miles per gallon by 2020 and 200 miles per gallon by 2050. These are things that are significantly higher than, um, significantly more ambitious than what is currently on the table. Do you think each of these goals are achievable, whether they're standalone goals or all together, or is part of the idea to set the bar high to inspire uh, larger scale thinking? Well, the, the, uh, the objective here is to set the goal at, at the level that will prevent catastrophic change in climate. And we're at, at 450 parts per million, we will be flirting with catastrophic change, as we know. We're, what, at 383 parts per million today of carbon dioxide equivalent. Uh, with business as usual, we'll hit the 450 threshold by 2030. And that is to be avoided. Yeah. And it's going to take... It's going to take the reinvention, frankly, of, a, of, a, of an industrial system and of a society to, to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels. But it's got to be done. Otherwise, we'd, we'll be looking at a world that our great-grandchildren will not find fit to live in. Are these goals achievable? Are they uh, something to just inspire broader-level thinking? Well, or let me, put it, let me put it this way. Uh, I drove into work today, and I looked at the gas mileage on my Toyota Prius. And it stood at 51.7. So clearly this is possible. If it exists, it must be possible. And it does exist. And between now and, and 2020, when the 30% target is, is advocated, and between now and 2050, when the 90% target is advocated, uh, there have to be some drastic changes in the way we uh, obtain our mobility. And it's going to be a huge challenge, no doubt, to industry to do it. But at the same time, there are new industries to be born and, and, and new fortunes to be made in this sort of new industrial revolution that really has to happen if we're going to, if we're going to wean ourselves off fossil fuels. And if we don't get off of fossil fuels to a very large extent, and, and 90%, of course, is a large extent, it's practically eliminating fossil fuels. If we don't do it, we're facing an unlivable world. And let, let's talk about how this project is going to affect business as a whole, um, because I think that is one of the big, the big issues that, is, uh, that you hear about a lot is um, companies saying this is going to you know, drag down the economy, this is going to cost jobs, that it may just be um, a failure of imagination, a failure of creative thinking on the part of business. So how will this project affect business as a whole? Uh, and maybe a good place to start is, is you telling us what brought you to this project. If I can offer my own company as a case in point, uh, and perhaps it's the, the reason I am involved in the project, because Interface has been an exemplary company in, in pursuit of, of zero environmental impact. We're at nine, minus 90% right now on greenhouse gas emissions compared with our 1996 baseline. And that is in absolute tonnage, even as the business has grown by over 50% in that time period, and, and, and profits have increased also by something like 86%. So the, the business case has become crystal clear to me and to the people at Interface. Uh, our costs are down, not up, because we very aggressively pursued the elimination of waste uh, from the very beginning, uh, and we set very high standards for what we mean by eliminating waste. And 
and in the process we've saved enough money there to pay for every other innovation that that we've made in the company, including all the R&D and the capital investments and process improvements, everything paid for by waste elimination. So we're at minus 90% in absolute tonnage in greenhouse gas emissions. And then on the other environmental fronts, water usage is down 79% against this baseline and so on. And, and we're bringing on renewable materials now to the extent that 20% of our raw material is coming from renewable sources, and the goal is 100%. So we're moving as a company towards zero, absolute zero impact on the environment, which means elimination of greenhouse gases completely. So that's, you know, that's what I bring to the table, a kind of it exists, it must be possible mentality. Now, it won't, you know, I can just, this is not a one-size-fits-all. Obviously, every individual company has got to figure its own path out this path to sustainability. But I really do believe that when when the innovative juices begin to flow uh, with this kind of an objective and a, a, a firmly established objective to eliminate greenhouse gases, that American industry will find uh, you know, enormous opportunity in that. So you know, our costs are down, not up. Our products are the best they've ever been because sustainable design has opened up this this wellspring of innovation within our company, how people are motivated, uh, galvanized, really, around this shared higher purpose of sustainability. And the goodwill of the marketplace has been exceedingly rewarding to us. Our customers love us for what we're doing. And I really believe this, this business case exists for any, any industrial company. Uh, it, it's, it's a matter of getting a clear vision of what this really means and beginning to move in a credible, demonstrable, measurable way, and then the positive feedback loops begin to kick in, and it becomes clearly the smart thing to do just as much as it's the right thing to do. Now, that is our experience, and I I believe that experience is transferable. Yeah, and I have to say that Interface is one of the most inspiring examples of this, that for many, many years before this was on anyone's radar, um, your company was out in front on all these things. Um, one, one question that keeps occurring to me is how many, how, which of these kinds of, of climate or environmental solutions will need to come from the federal government or from international policies or the legislative side, as opposed to those being developed by the private sector or at least developed in cooper- cooperation with the private sector? Right. I, I, I personally think the government's role is to get the incentives right and to get rid of the perverse subsidies. And one of our recommendations is that, that perverse subsidies be, uh, be terminated and the subsidies to the, the more mature um, energy industries, the fossil fuel, the nuclear energy, those, if they're subsidies at all, they should be directed towards the, um, the renewable technologies, the low-carbon and no-carbon fuels, uh, and, and spur the innovative process. The, um, I think government's single most powerful role here is to get the incentives right. And it can, be, it can do that with an enlightened taxation policy. It can certainly do it by getting the subsidies right. 
Is your feeling that once the government gets these incentives right or gets the goals put in place in a in a fairly concrete manner, that um, the private sector will be able to rise to the challenge? Well, I certainly believe the capability is there and, and the, uh, the, the capacity is there to rise to the challenge. Uh, I can't say for certain the willpower is there, but that would seem to me to be the, 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 the key ingredient. The reason I ask, um, one of the... Another project I'm working on right now is uh, is looking at packaging use by companies. And something I keep hearing over and over across sectors is Walmart's new uh, sustainable packaging project has basically made the entire packaging industry take stock of what it's doing and how it can do it better. Is this sort of a model of what you see could happen uh, across industry? Oh, listen, we began 13 years ago because our customers were asking us, what's your company doing for the environment? Well, today, Walmart is asking its suppliers. Walmart's the customer to 62,000 companies that comprise its supply chain. And, they, and the, the customer's asking 62,000 companies, what's your company doing for the environment? In effect, that's what's happening. And Lee Scott has sent a ripple through the industrial world that it's becoming a tsunami. Uh, for change, and that's exactly what uh, has to happen, even on a larger scale. You know that when Jeffrey M. Elk commits his company to doubling its R&D, this is General Electric, doubling its R&D in clean technologies with the expectation of doubling its revenues, he's not doing it out of altruistic uh, motivation. He's doing it because his customers have told him, this is what we want, this is where we've got to go. So, Jeff, get with it. And, and I think GE is surprising itself, perhaps, with the success of its eco-imagination program. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is definitely something that's been on the radar, um, at least here in these offices, a lot. Um, in addition to these uh, overall emissions reduction goals, the fuel economy goals, what are some of the other specifics of the, uh, the PCAP proposal? A key one is, uh, is to establish a, a cap and auction system. That is, to auction off the limits, a cap-and-trade system, and to auction off the, the limitations and, and to, uh, to create a, a market-driven mechanism to put a price on carbon, to begin to internalize that externality and, and create a, a real price for carbon. And then it's very important that the revenues generated from the auction be channeled to support the changes that have to be made to replace the obsolescent industries. Another one is, um, is basically ending the federal subsidies on the fossil fuel and nuclear energy industries and redirecting those subsidies to uh, the new technologies. Um, we clearly want to reduce oil consumption as quickly as, as we can to, to stop financing terrorism with oil revenues. And we want, and we want the federal government itself to commit to being, becoming a carbon neutral enterprise. And it, it certainly can do that in its buildings because the, the codification through the U.S. Green Building Council already exists. And the, uh, the American Institute for Architects have, have weighed in on the subject, too, to set their goals for buildings. So there's lots happening in the building area that can be pressed still further. Um, you know, the, the title of this whole effort here is called 
uh, security, opportunity, and stewardship, sort of an SOS. And we, uh, we, we, we toyed a good bit with the, the final S there, whether it should be stewardship or sustainability or sacred trust. And we ended up with stewardship. So security, opportunity, and stewardship are the battle cry now for this new revolution. And one and of you know, I, I really believe that it will will create jobs in in great abundance that do not exist today, as industry goes through this transformation to the cleaner, greener technologies and products. You hear about that a lot lately. Is this talk of the green collar job world that there are going to be all kinds of new jobs uh, developed as we move to a, a post carbon economy? And along those lines, one of the um, one of the um, one of the proposals in in the project is a uh, billion dollars in funding for golden carrot innovations. What exactly does that mean? Well, the golden carrot, uh, holding out the, the reward opportunity for the really significant breakthroughs. Uh, well, you've got something like that already working uh, with Detroit, haven't you? With the, with the uh, I forget what it's called, but the, to get the automobile mileage to a, to a whole other level. The support that, that's coming for hydrogen now is in the right direction. And hydrogen, of course... Is, 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 an, is an important fuel in the future because it burns without creating uh, the carbon dioxide. And it also powers the uh, fuel cell, which produces no emissions at all except water. All right, and uh, one, one last question, um, a more general question, really. In talking about this uh, this project around the office, one of the questions that came up was, um, was how do you feel after 15 years or more um, pioneering green business practices uh, at Interface? Do you feel like you're still an outlier in this field, or have enough companies taken on serious sustainability goals that you feel like you're back amongst the middle of the pack? Matt, I believe that this the, the, the conversation in boardrooms all over America, and maybe even around the world, it's, it's safe to say that the conversation in boardrooms around the world, the, the subject that's number one uh, on the list of, of issues that have to be addressed is this issue of climate change. Now, that did not exist certainly 13 years ago when, when we began our own journey. And it seems to me that in the last two or three years, the subject has, has just jumped onto people's radar scopes. Um, I think Katrina set the stage for that, or helped set the stage. I think uh, Vice President Gore's movie, his book, and his own uh, speeches have, have done a lot to raise awareness. And, and I'm always reminded of Deepak Chopra's words that uh, you know, people are really doing the best they can, given their level of awareness. So the, it, this is all about increasing awareness. And when, when people are more aware, they will do the right thing. They will. And, and there's another bumper sticker slogan that you see it from time to time. When the people lead, the leaders will follow. And it's important. It really is important for the American people in particular to, to, to get on this case and let their government know where they want their government to go. When the people lead, then the leaders will follow. And so you see it happening already in Washington. What we want to do is accelerate the process through the 
through executive action of the, of, by the next president. All right, great. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking with you. Oh, it's a pleasure, Matt. Thank you. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.